Hey, Cast Chasers. We're at the midway point of our Grain to Glass series on wood, which means today we'll be unpacking some things that every fan worth their whiskey should know about barrels, storage, and the maturation process. And by the end of this episode, we promise that you too will be able to answer that age-old question, why oak? Plus, spit out some cool factoids about Katy Perry, gnats, and uh, pencils. More on that to follow. So pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. I'm actually pretty excited to be talking about barrels today because I know in our last series, we were talking kind of like a top shelf view at the whole point of wood, this distillation process, right? We talked about the Pindarin Kelt, which was delicious. Bobby, had you ever had anything quite like that before? You know, when I first had it, I was with, I was at a tasting Mm -hmm. and I don't know what I expected because I'm a scotch guy. I like scotch a lot. And when I try some whiskey from other places like Wales or Japan or whatever. I'm ready to be wild. I want to be wild, but sometimes you know you're not. I was blown away. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was... it was. I, I fell in love with the sherry wood, actually. I'm a big sherry guy. We talked about that before. Yeah, when you when you went to that tasting, you, you started sending me pictures and all sorts of stuff. And that was like, just to make you jealous. And, and Well, that's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say, is I, just, I, like, I was just looking at all these pictures, and like he's, he's like texting me the whole time, mm-hmm. like, well, I met this guy, and he's talking, like, he's talking about this and this. He's and this Mr. Right. And that's what whatever. I said. Right, yeah, yeah. I said, I met this guy. And I was like, he's amazing. Like, Where does he really live? Nice. Where does he live? Um, <laughs> Wales. It's going to work. That's right. And I said Wales like that, and he was Wales. Wales. <laughs> the Texan came out. <laughs> but re- regardless, like I, I was, I was jealous. But then the next day, I just went out and bought a bottle of Pendarin, and that was back when we were pronouncing it Pendarin. So we've, which grown. I still do. We've grown do. so much. I've grown. Yeah, you know, Bobby's yeah. not grown, and I won't. No, it's all right. nor will you. It's comfortable. But it was good. But it was good. I, I think it was a good segue too, because there was an interesting story about the barrel and what they were doing with the barrels. Mm-hmm. But I think it spoke to. And I think today we're going to be tasting something a little heavier, but I think this spoke to how awesome a barrel can be. And, you know, I think we forget sometimes how important it is. And it's a good thing we're doing a series on barrels and wood. Segwaying and right in right. again. <laughs> like that's a right. glove. You know oh what I mean? Goodness. <laughs> so today, I think what we wanted to talk about was a little bit more about like going a level deeper into the whole maturation process and getting like just talking about the wood of the barrels, the staves, the type of wood that's used. I know we have a couple delicious cask strength options that we want to taste to kind of illustrate all those points. So Bobby, you have, you have the Larceny? I'm drinking the Larceny Barrel Proof, which just won. Aaron, what did it just win? Well, this isn't the one that won. This, I have the A120, batch A120. So their B, their B batch won Whiskey Advocates' uh, number one spot of their top 20 whiskeys for the year 2020. So that was back in December is when that that won that. So pretty cool. Worth it. Wor- I, Bravo. I think so. Now it's going to be $2 billion a bottle. <laughs> right, exactly. Once, ba- once Cast Chasers blows it up, of course. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's We're right. the reason. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, I can't find f- it. Fives and fives of listeners <laughs> are going it. to... Turn the tide. Yeah. But no, it, uh, retail, it's about 50 bucks a bottle. Yeah. And I mean, it's fantastic. I think worth every dollar of $50. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Not, oh, yeah. not, not worth every dollar of probably the 200, 250 you're going to start seeing it for. Let's but, hope not. Uh, I really hope not. 
and I, I've always liked Larceny. Not not the I I enjoy the Barrel Proof, but mm-hmm. just their 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 standard uh, release. I really really enjoy, and I'm hoping we don't see too much of a hike on that either, because I've always got that in my cabinet. One of the one of the first nights that Bobby and I were sort of dreaming about, oh, what will cask chasers be one day? <laughs> We went through probably more than half a bottle of Larceny that night, and I kept trying to figure out, oh, what does this taste? What is this thing I'm tasting? And he still kind of disagrees with me. But what did I say? Uh, chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies is what is what I. Which I, it's not that I don't. I disagree. It's 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 there. I think we hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head with it. I'm just saying there's a lot more depth. To it. Right. So right. it's a and weeded. We, we minimize it when we talk. We're right. Like, we're like, oh, it's that chocolate chip cookie. Uh, it's whiskey. a weeded whiskey. And I love mm-hmm. weeded whiskey, first off. I think that makes it creamier and, you know, there's more balance and everything. I think that's where you get that oat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's your vanillas give you the chocolate. Vanillas and sort of so, that brown sugar thing, yeah. Can I ask something really weird? So on the Larceny again, real quick, before we, we talk about the castering, because I have so many questions about that. I get just like this jelly taste when I have Larceny. Is and it, it, like it's fruit? not about this one. It's It's like... Welch's grape jelly. I mean, not that sweet, but something I can't tell if it's the texture of it because Larceny does have that just Unc- just kind of mouth unctuous, yeah. kind of thick. That's interesting. I do. Yeah. I would. I'd like to taste. I get a. I get a cherry on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Maybe that's sure. kind of where it comes yeah. in. And I mean, when you combine that with like one of those sort of like thick mouth feel situations that you that's just and there's there's never a wrong. I'm gonna way. taste that now. Now now we're all You're gonna welcome. be like Welch's grape jelly and, sure. and chocolate chip cookies, peanut butter in this, and it'll that's be right. the point. <laughs> and now all of so, a sudden it's back down to fifty bucks. Coopers, let's talk about Coopers just in general. Um, apparently, a Cooper is anybody who either builds a barrel, repairs a barrel, has anything to do with a barrel, but then you get some of these Coopers, they've got 30, 40 more years of experience, and they're the real deal. You know, these guys are, you know, they're they're in it. It's their life, and the, these are the really interesting people I, to talk I to. I couldn't imagine showing up on the first day. You know, I'm sweeping the floor, and I'm thinking, I want to help you guys out. And right. they're like, well, your first job is hold the wood. I'm like, no, oh, do I get that? Right. Like, you're the guy that holds it. Just right. shut up for do for 20 right. years. Be just grateful hold it. for the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's, that's one of those things, and and it's one it's uh, one thing that I mean, you know I'm a like an English nerd. One of the things that's cool to me about Cooper, it's one of those it's one of those jobs that turned into a name. Right. Like Smith. Smith. Right. Cooper. Thatcher. Mm-hmm. You know the, these are these are jobs. They were so prevalent. They were so important that they eventually became names. You have people with the last name Cooper, with the last name Smith, with the last name Thatcher these days. And that it's just always fun to me that, oh, we're talking about something that's somebody's last name now. Right. Um, so that's really cool. Different size barrels. Oh, yeah. Got, so depending on the size of the barrel, um, it's going to affect, the wood is going to affect the whiskey a little bit differently. The smaller the barrel, the more wood you're going to get in the whiskey itself because there is actually, as far as a comparison goes, percentage-wise, there's more barrel in contact with the with the uh, liquid inside. So, so question on that. So mm. it's about more the size of the barrel, not necessarily like the size of the staves. And the reason I'm asking that is because I have to figure that, you know, when you take this back down to just the tree level, right? Mm-hmm. I'm almost curious if there's like a different potency in a younger sap or younger wood versus something that's grown up, kind of mellowed out and, and like well, has a different size of the wood because of that. So they actually, you want an older tree. They've named, and I don't have it off the top of my head for the listeners, it's worth the research um, that I should have done, but <laughs> here we are. Um, they've actually taken down trees that have had names for like a hundred years and they've written down and commemorated, you know, this was such and such tree. And because they want an old one, 
young trees, you know, they're green. They have a lot of water in them. You, you want something old at the end of its life drying out. And when they cut it down, you need something that's dense, that's, that's just been at it for a while. The reason oak is so important is, well, it's a, it's a hardwood. It's, it's very strong. You're not gluing these staves together. The only thing holding it together is their own density and the metal rings. Mm. And that's the pressure that's holding it. And that has to keep the liquid in it. So it can't be porous. It can't be sappy. Like you can't have, it can't be like a cedar tree with, you know, other chemicals, things like that, that'll poison or that'll give a flavor. It's just got to be a dense, dry, solid wood. Not that the oak doesn't add flavor because Mm -hmm. it, it naturally holds certain chemicals that are flavorful, vanillins and things like that. And when you toast it, you know, which we'll get into, you're bringing even more of that out of it. So oak is very important. Now there's, you get to the subspecies of oak too. American white oak is really what you're looking for. It just seems to be the easiest to play with, the easiest to mess around with. Yet it's the it's the densest, 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 densest. Are you going to the densest? Does your tooth hurt? Are you going to the dentist? Denseness, denseness, density, density. Maybe it's got the most of the density. <laughs> I'm still not going to use it appropriately. <laughs> I don't care. Densenessnessness. It's got densenessnessness in it. I'm not going to edit any of that out. <laughs> I love every drop of it. I think it adds, just like oak, I think it adds flavor to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, magic in a bottle. You know what I mean? So you have European oak, which adds its own levels of flavor, and you have different kinds of European oak. You have Japanese oak, which is newer. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little harsher in flavors, and they almost use it to steep or spice, and then some places are aging a little longer. Angel's Envy just did a cool release of a rare bottle using Japanese oak. But American white oak seems to be the go-to, to the point that Glenmorangie bought a forest in America for their white oak. It blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm you know imagining I mean? them protecting that forest like like Prince John and Robin Hood, like, you can't poach here because it's, I mean, that's got to be protected area. Exactly. That's exactly, incredible. Exactly, exactly how it is. Really? Yeah. Bows and arrows? Mm-hmm. Tights. So, all right, so follow-up question. <laughs> I just caught up on that. Uh-huh. Walk this way. <laughs> um, okay, so one of the things that like I have trouble wrapping my mind around is that whiskey and scotch are been around much longer than the discovery of like an American oak. So I'm just really interested about is how people adapted the maturation process or the barrel making process based off of that subspecies of oak that was around. So that's a good question. So, well, A, they were using European oak. B, remember that age is a new thing for us. Age is only important now. We think of age. So I want a 25-year-old, 15-year-old, whatever. Back then, age wasn't, it was, age was, it was a byproduct. You know, it's just, how long has that been in the barrel? I don't know, dude, as long as it's been in the barrel. Do you want to buy it or not? I had to put it in the cart yeah, and it, travel for four weeks to get here from, to sell it to you. You know, from Spain to here, that's how long it's been in right. the barrel. But are you buying or not? But I got people to see, you know. <laughs> so age became a statement of goodness based on something in our current time. Because, you know, whether that they did it better back then or the, you know, the rickhouse and the time and the, we'll get into maturation in a minute, what it does to it. But there is a cutoff point. Not all age means good, and some young stuff is better than old stuff. So they're using these brandy or wine casks. There's a shortage of um, gin and or a shortage of brandy or a shortage of wine, or there's the Spanish War where now we weren't getting any. I have to get it from somewhere. So it's just right. a necessity thing. That's really all it was. And I think a lot of what you're what you see in because 
whiskey came first, the legalities came later. So a, a lot of what you of what you see comes from sort of that tradition. So with um, Scotch whiskey, you know, it, it's only allowed to be called Scotch whiskey if it's aged in a used barrel. But that's because that's what they were doing back then. Mm-hmm. They weren't they weren't crafting barrels for their whiskey. They were using whatever they could find. So that's where Scotch whiskey went to, and that's where the legalities came from. That okay, you can only call it Scotch whiskey if it's aged in an in a used barrel. Whereas in the United States, when they started doing bourbon, they were building barrels for it. You know, they were building barrels to to age this whiskey and to transport this whiskey. In America too, people were dyeing their whiskey with boot polish and things like that. So to kind of regulate that, this has to be a new barrel. Mm-hmm. Nothing else can have gone in this. If it's if it's um, if it's a bottle and bond, the government actually is stepping in and keeping an eye on things. And then in Scotland, to his point, you want to make it an even playing field. This is the, they're all about history. They're all about the legacy that they're producing. And our, our product comes from used barrels. So it sounds like there are like three core things that are going on when we're talking about barrels and, and kind of preserving how they're used or how they're determined. So we have a formality to protect the tradition of how, you know, something accidentally came about, but we want to keep it that way because of the respect for tradition. We have the formality of the legal side of it because we want to control, keep level playing field, um, have some kind of quality control so we don't drink boot polish along with our whiskey. And then the other one just sounds like it's the scientific aspect of it, you know, which is something else that I'm really interested in. I think most of what you see, if you study the history, it's all based on what they stumble across, learning from one another. Sherry is is, in a, is made in a toasted barrel at a certain size. Sherry butts, toasted barrel. So you learn, you get a certain flavor from, not only from sherry, but you get a certain flavor from a toasted barrel versus a charred barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a flavor from the size if it ages. If I, put a, if I put a barrel of whiskey on a ship and it takes X amount of time during the winter to get to America, that tastes different than something that came over from the summertime. So what you, you think, oh, wow, this is, so age maybe does play a part. You get to bourbon specifically, and there's a lot of, argument about where bourbon comes from but i like the story of there's a county bourbon county and the soldiers and men on the banks of of the river they're saying here comes the whiskey boat is that from bourbon county that's the whiskey i want the bourbon county whiskey it turned out to be the best uh, whiskey the one they preferred and the cleanest and the purest right mm-hmm. so you get that those barrels the idea of those barrels and what they were using charring the barrels that's brandy because Brandy was using a charred barrel, so they were learning about the red line and how much flavor you can get from charring a barrel on vanillins and things like that. Well, let's do that with whiskey. And instead of using a used barrel, let's just start from scratch, new barrel. So there's learning as they go and using necessity and using what they've learned from other whiskeys and, or I'm sorry, other spirits, and they're just building this, what we know today as tradition or whatever. Yeah. The thing that I think is so cool about all that and kind of stumbling into the different traditions, like taking from how we're using the sherry barrels, and that's kind of where we get the toasted side of it into everything else that we've talked about. I mean, it's it's so cool to see how that tracks into just this hybrid type of drink. It, I'm thinking about it almost in terms of like um, animals and dogs, right? You know, some of the coolest dogs that I've ever seen are the mutts because they have all the kind of natural best characteristics exactly. coming out. And that's kind of how we're following through with this. Yeah, and so, I mean, you're seeing a lot of experimentation all over the place as well. Um, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get into this 
at some other time. But I'm you so know, excited. Uh, in the United States, we've got we've grown way beyond bourbon now, and they're doing all sorts of things. I mean, two thousand plus distilleries in the United States is insane. Um, but as far as uh, I, I just want to real quick go back to what Bobby was yeah. saying. You know, a ship coming across in winter versus a ship coming across in the summer. So in Australia, um, they're telling me they get four seasons in a day. Basically, <laughs> so this wood is expanding and contracting and expanding that's and crazy. contracting and expanding and, and contracting. It's almost like putting it in a pressure cooker. That's and that's maturation because it's not just sitting in there. It's not. I, I think I used the analogy before of putting tea in hot water. You know, a tea bag in hot water and extracting the flavors. There's things that barrel's doing, and the weather around it's doing, and you can get into things like terroir and everything, which has its own little debate, but inside that barrel, you know, it's contracting, it's, you know, the heat, the cold, it left to the elements, you know, um, the, the red line, which is again, past the char, you've caramelized the wood. That's the red line. And then there's other elements there too. The whiskey's literally going in and out of that wood. It's also evaporating, mm-hmm. you know, alcohol evaporates faster than water does. Um, so the alcohol is evaporating the angel share, we call it. There's liquid literally going into the barrel itself and sitting there. I think they say, how many barrels or bottles can you get from, when they do the devil's cut, which is the the whiskey that's actually in the wood, you can get like a whole nother batch of whiskey from just that. Yeah, just from extracting it from the barrel itself. Yeah, because you're only getting somewhere between 125 to 200 200 per barrel. Depending on the size of the barrel. So maturation is literally a living, breathing cask. Mm Mm-hmm changing the structure, the chemical structure, breaking down the whiskey, changing its flavor, and making it something totally different. And time is an ingredient. The wood is an ingredient. The weather, how it's create, how it's, you know, what it's doing to the barrel, whether you're using a temperature controlled, which people do, or you're using the elements to mm-hmm. with Australia and you know, a lot of your rickhouses. You're, you're seeing a lot less temperature control anymore, yeah. Um, because because of like your distilleries again in Australia that are falling upon. Wow, our stuff at two years is tasting like other people's stuff at nine years, right? You know, so like you're getting a lot of a lot of but distilleries sort of pulling away from that temperature that's control. Tra- that's the tradition thing you were talking about because then you have places that say no, an open rickhouse up top left is the best place to put a barrel. It gets the it gets this temperature, it's near that window, you know what I mean? So, okay. So, th- this is such good stuff and I love again kind of like weaving in and out of the science behind it versus the tradition versus just like the legality of it and and kind of the economic controls. Um, we've talked a little bit about toasting and charring. We hit on the red line. We're talking about rick houses. Outside of all those variances, if I were to put just those steps in order of how you actually get the barrel together, get the whiskey in it, set it outside to let that maturation magic happen, I mean, what are the what are those steps there? All right, so I mean, up first, obviously, the, you're going to distill the spirit, and we've talked about that a little bit, and we'll talk about that more. Um, from there, it goes into a barrel. Uh, depending on where you are in the world and what sort of whiskey you're trying to produce, that sort of decides which type of barrel you're doing. So in the United States, if you're making a bourbon, it is a new charred oak barrel. If you're making a corn whiskey, a lot of the same um, a lot of the same things apply to it, except the only type of barrel it cannot be is a new charred oak barrel. It can be a used charred oak barrel, or it can be a new barrel that is not charred, but it cannot be a new charred oak barrel because at 100% corn, that's still considered a bourbon. So these are all the technicalities, things right. I love. 
Um, but as we've talked about before, the, the barrel, the cask is going to be somewhere between 80 and 87% of the taste. So selecting those barrels, building those barrels, whatever it is you're doing, that's going to play a major component. And then the next thing is really where it's stored, how it ages and all of that. So you, you'll have people that'll do a, a, a barrel pick. You know, you, you'll have a Knob Creek barrel pick of this, and it'll tell you, you know, where in the Rick House, where in which, um, in which Rick House, and all of this sort of thing it is. Some people, like Bobby said, will swear by this area of the Rick House gets the best thing because the sun comes in at this time of day mm. and this. So, I mean, those people are way above sort of my tasting level. They sound like level. Jedis, like I, whiskey right, Jedis. Right, right, <laughs> They can walk into a, a Rick House or a warehouse and... The master distiller and his team can literally sense almost what barrel is going to be the best barrel, and they're tasting it. And then you'll have things like um, the cast, the Angel's Envy cast strength. Um, I've heard of that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's a choice selection of barrels of and a choice selection of whiskey that throughout the year, when they're tasting these whiskey barrels, to determine what's going to be their twelve year, what's going to be their or three year, four year, or whatever it's going to be. As they taste them, they think, "Wow, this one's." a little superior to the rest. And they can start that at a young age. They just have a feeling. Right. They're like, we're going to follow feeling, this one. A taste. Anything aside from something that is a like a single barrel or a barrel pick is a blend. In most cases, In most yeah. cases from that same distillery, even if it's a, in, you know, in Scotland, a single malt, or if it's, you know, specifically from this distillery, everything is a blend of whiskeys from there. So sometimes that particular barrel that, you know, the head distiller is like, yeah, this is the barrel. They're putting like a drop or two of that mm-hmm. in like each thing, and it's just elevating the entire whiskey. Each whiskey in-house is blending barrels. Mm, it, okay. they're literally, they're taking a mash tun and they're they're pouring in different... They're dumping barrels in. Barrels from zone A, zone B, and then yeah. you this have, part. And you have the unsung heroes, I think, of, of the whiskey community are... We don't talk about enough. You have your distillers, your coopers, but the blenders, in-house people that are tasting the whiskey to keep it to keep it the same, the continuity of the flavor. Because if you're, you know, Elijah Craig fan or you're, you know, Eagle Rare... You always want it to taste like Eagle Rare. Mm-hmm. If it's a barrel select or a special year, a special whiskey, it's always going to be a little bit different. But your your everyday shelved whiskey, it has to be consistent. So you have a blender that's blending these barrels together, and they're looking for the of what that tastes like. I feel like that could throw us into a whole like philosophical discussion about which distilleries, which brands value kind of experimenting with something and trying to get a unique like capturing this flavor versus consistency you can taste if you know this is a really you talk about philosophy and you know some people just say i'm a jack daniels fan i like jack daniels that's what i drink it is what it is but then you have people that say you can taste there's a change of hands somebody put their own spin on it and it's a bit different when they hire a new blender when they hire a new distiller there's a bit different flavor there and that's picking the barrel. Their barrel choice might be different. You know, what they think is a good whiskey, what they think is a good example of what this release is going to be. It's all subjective. And we get to experience that if you really dig into it. Are you guys ready for a reference you never thought would show up on a whiskey podcast? I'm ready. <laughs> so this conversation is making me think about, because again, like I love relating everything we talk about with whiskey to other facets of life. And... uh <laughs> It makes me think about this interview with Katy Perry that I was listening to not long ago. I mean, why wouldn't it? No, I knew this. I figured this would come up. I know. (laughs) Am I so transparent? Um, No, but she was talking about how one of the things that she struggled with as an artist was she got 
famous. She, she became successful because she just was pumping out this like cake pop, Katy Perry brand music that was consistent, that the consumers could bank on that like checked off whatever box and it was predictable and it was, it was digestible. It was compartmentalized. Right. And so she's basing all of her success on that. But then she got to a point as an artist where she was like, you know what? I want to explore a little bit of a different side of myself. I want to release an album that is a different angle on myself as a person, myself as a woman, a wife, a mother, and and all of those things. And there are a lot of people that hated that album because it stepped away from what they predicted. There were other people that celebrated because she captured something unique. And appreciated it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's actually a really good analogy. Well, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Not candid. (laughs) (laughs) So I... To that point, um, there there are distilleries and even local distilleries. I'll give a shout out to Painted Steve. Um, they make they make a. Where bourbon. are they from, Aaron? They're from they are from Smyrna, Delaware. Go check them out, folks. <laughs> um, so Painted Steve uh, Distilling, they make they make a bourbon. It's a solid product. Mm-hmm. They have a gin. It's a solid product. Um, everything is solid. But what I really get excited about is their experimental stuff. So, and honestly, that's what Mike, one of their distillers, really gets excited about is their <laughs> experimental stuff. Um, they release the bottles in like half size bottles, like 375 milliliter. And every time one of those comes out, it's like, like, it's like I get the itch. Like, I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta have that. Like, their bourbon, okay, it's a bourbon, you know, it's, it's, it's good, it's a solid product. But, you know, talking to him, that's what he really gets excited about, mm-hmm. too, is their experimental things. And it's the wood that they're experimenting with. It's it's they're, they're using this distillate. They're using that thing. And, like, a, a lot of distillers, they're going to do that. And I, I have a crazy idea, guys. Oh, boy. So here's my crazy idea. So we're on a whiskey podcast. Wait. Let's pick one of these 19. <gasps> How'd I get here? Let's pick one of these 19 whiskeys in front of us and actually taste it and discuss it. Could we do that, you think? I could be so persuaded. Were you guys not tasting? Well, that's the thing. Act I've tasted casual, six. Bobby. <laughs> I've tasted six of them. I don't know which one that we should talk about. Do you have a blended whiskey variety in your stomach right now? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. If I just jump up and down real quick, I've got a very special mm. blend. Well, Aaron, let's. What are we all going to talk about right now? Oh, love it. That's a beautiful sound. Um, we have so in 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 the in the um, spirit of barrel. We have two barrel proofs that mm-hmm. I think are pretty good, pretty darn good, actually. They come from a lineage of award winners, and I have neither one of them, neither one of the ones that won the award, but they're all, but they're both pretty right, but they're on the family. Right. So I have the Elijah Craig small batch, and we have the Larceny barrel proof. Uh, I'm sorry, not the small batch. The Elijah Craig, it is small batch, but the Elijah Craig barrel proof mm-hmm. and the Larceny barrel proof. Um, and we, we have a, another distiller, a little bit smaller. It's uh, Cooper's uh, Craft, um, which is kind of cool. They do some neat stuff with their barrels. They uh, they kind of carve an extra, you know, horizontal diag- diagonal lines through their oh, through the barrel on the yeah, inside yeah, after yeah. they char it, giving more Sounds surface, fancy. little more surface area. So as we're pouring, kind of to piggyback on what Aaron said, another word for experimental is accident. And what I love about the whiskey world is a lot of what these people do. And talking with Mike from Painted Stave a lot of what they do and find are accidental. You know, they stumble across it. You know, it, barrels are so natural and whiskey is so natural and the grains and everything they use is so natural. There's no, you can predict, but at the end of the day, it's always something crazy and oh, let's try something new. You know, let's, let's age this underwater, see what happens. Let's, you <laughs> and, know, put it in outer some, space and see if that changes things up. To go back bit. to your, to go back to your, um, 
you know, accident thing. It, it, they do. They come across something sometimes, and they're like, and they're like, uh, what was in this barrel? And they open it up, and then they go, oh, that was this thing, and then that becomes their new experimental thing. Um, so, which, which one are we? We can. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna open the Elijah Craig, actually. If that's cool with you guys. Yep. I'll allow it. Thanks. I'll double down on that. I mean, for the first time since we're just tasting this now, I'm excited. Right. I what have been this? I have been drinking the entire time, so <laughs> it's probably why this is going to be so good Sloppy. or terrible episode. <laughs> so I want to give you guys a a, a present, not, a gift. What bottle? No, not you. Twenty five years something. The, the, everyone listening, I want to I want to give them a little bit of insight to what our podcasts look like here. So Bobby has gone back and forth about nine times. He's like, let's do this one. Let's do this one. Like Katie will be talking. He'll it's be a like, shit let's, show. Let's do I this know one. it sounds choreographed. I have, I have poured myself seven different glasses of whiskey, and now we're back to one that I had started with that we could have just talked about. So I think Elijah Katie, Craig, not then? To, not to quote Katie, but herding cats, I think, is what she said about directing us. I think, we're, I think what's smaller than a cat and... Run- Hurting gnats. Unhurtable. Gnats. <laughs> <laughs> Just grabbing them. I got a Mr. Miyagi to Can you imagine? <laughs> for some reason, I pictured like saddling up a gnat and just trying to, you know, really breaking it in. Like, this is a good one. This one, it's a, it's a, it comes from a good uh, lineage. Right, this, exactly. This gnat. This gnat right. was sired by. It's a, it's a thoroughbred of a gnat right there. It's, it's three weeks old. What it's the hell is she getting line. from us? That's really old for a gnat, I think. And people so listening are like, and I'm done. We're settled on the Elijah Craig then. <laughs> All right, so Elijah Craig small yes, batch. Yes. So the small batch, talk about that. That's a funny. That's a funny term. It's a marketing term. It is. Um, small. It can batch, be real. It, yes, but um, it's one of those things that there's really no legality surrounding the term. Kind of like batch. a master distiller. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. So you're either good batch, or you ain't. <laughs> nine times out of ten, your small batches are going to be a smaller batch than the standard line. Can we agree on that? I think that's their goal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, smaller, smaller batch. Mm, mm, you know. Relative. But your larceny, your massive, right? Or your your buffalo yeah, right. trace versus you know um, painted stave. Those right, small exactly. batches are what, two barrels, or oh, that's only we only use four hundred barrels. Right. right. So so a craft gotcha. distiller, their mainstream whatever is going to be their mainstream whatever is going to be more of a is going to be a smaller all batch. small batch well that's the thing yeah. it's going to be a smaller batch than your elijah craig your larceny that sort of thing i i think is we there... can agree that it's smaller batch usually but i mean it's only 70 zillion sold so question question to that so um one of the things I think is really cool about the the age that we live in is that you have just seen like this blossom of craft everything like craft beers, craft distilleries, craft blah 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 list goes on. So I'm I'm wondering are you guys aware of anything that some of the larger distilleries are doing to compete with that boutique feel like a super yeah. small craft. So first off and just isn't small isn't craft the American way. I mean do it yourself. Amen brother. You know what I mean seriously like you can, you know yeah I can go online and buy these beads or I can make them myself. I don't know how to make a bead, but um, I think there's carving you know, involved. Yeah, you know, there's all, the bracelets that are. I can order the plastic beads and make the bracelet. So anyway, I'm not a craftsman, but, but you, my can, point, you can notice a good one. That's, my point, that's good. yeah, exactly. My point, like with the you know the upcoming rise of uh, the rise of uh, craft breweries, I think is amazing because mm-hmm. look at all the cool beers we have now. That before that you were getting Kerr's Lot and that's it. Now you get all kinds of cool stuff and it can have any kind of flavor flavor in it or choice or whatever. I mean, IPAs are winning for some reason, but it is what it is. 
So whiskeys, topical. You know what I mean. I think whiskeys are doing the same thing, which I think is really cool. Um, so these major distilleries, they have their own craft lines, and they're doing things that are kind mm. of making it special and in house. You know, Buffalo Trace, probably one of my favorite American whiskeys, uh, bourbons, uh, whiskey lines, actually. You know, Buffalo Trace is a mass produced, but they have their own elements of you know in house. The you know the family is still putting their hands on this whiskey. It's still a family recipe. They still make it feel mom and pop you know what i mean that's cool when you go there when you take the tours when you get their specialty stuff from their antique collection the buffalo trace antique collection um it feels craft it feels small it's not by any means because it's mass produced buffalo Buffalo trace Trace, right but then the second avenue is they're buying these places you know um your 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 small distilleries if they're doing well enough and i'm not going to mention names or whatever but they're being purchased by Mm -hmm. the larger groups and that might be, you know, Matt, your Diageos or whatever might be scooping them up. And they might not be in the main portfolio, but they're in there. And then their goal is to grow them or keep them craft because that's what sells. So where would you rank the Elijah Craig barrel proof that we're tasting now? Like out of the, the, the myriad of craft options. So... It's a massive group, so I wouldn't call Elijah Craig craft by any means. No, um, crafty, not craft. Not it's <laughs> it's a well known, mass produced brand, um, um, a great industry, great company. Um, this barrel proof is just fantastic. I think I think it it's won. really good. Yeah. Sometimes guys win these these distilleries win awards, and I personally, it's all subjective. I think okay. Who paid who? And I'm yeah. just going to be honest with right. you. That's kind of sometimes that's what awards are. A lot of the world, you know works. what I mean. Oh. Um, so I'm a little whatever with awards and what I'm being told. You mm-hmm. know whose book tells me I should drink what? I think this one's deserving. Um, it's it's a 12 year bourbon, which is an old bourbon. You know, mm-hmm. for you know four to eight years. I think 12 years is kind of for me where bourbon really reaches its max. Obviously, your pappies, you'll get a little older Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. But it's a 12-year, it's a barrel-proof, it's not ethanol-heavy, it's it's, the nose. I mean, let's talk about it a little bit. We poured it. The nose on this thing is fantastic. You know, dried fruit, it's all the things you want in a good... What what you expect... I, I picture this. I picture the distiller pulling the thief out dumping it in the glass and it's putting his nose to it and going this is a winner so what what i like i think one of the one of the things that really really gets to me about this is the mash bill it's it's a super high corn mash bill it's 78 percent corn and i love we, we were talking about corn whiskey a little bit earlier i i i like a corn whiskey i like a super high corn bourbon um, one of my favorite bourbons is actually 100% corn. So it's 78% corn, 12% malted barley, and 10% rye. Um, what I like about this, it's got, even at the barrel proof, it's still sweet on the nose. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's one that you can sip and it doesn't, you know, knock you over. You know, I, I really like that. Other things I get on the nose, I honestly, I get some of the cherry that I get from the Larceny. Mm. And maybe that's because I've gone through so many whiskeys while we've been sitting <laughs> here that everything just is sort of the same. You're but hybridizing get, the nose. That's right. That's all. right. I get, but I do, at least right now, get a little bit of that cherry. And one thing I always like to point out to people, all of this is subjective. You know, if I get a cherry note on the nose and somebody else gets a eucalyptus note on the nose that mm-hmm. I don't get, that's fine. You do know, you, you know, what's funny about this and, and this is why I love tasting whiskey in a group setting, right? Because you kind of can share the experience. When when I was 
first kind of getting the nose of this one, the Elijah Craig, um, there was something familiar about it. There's something sweet, but very, like everything I'm getting off this whiskey is just grainy. I think it's an awesome illustration of what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. So bonus points for selecting this one. Um, but then in talking about the corn bill or the corn mash bill, mash bill, mash bill, lots of corn in the mash bill, mash bill with a lot of (laughs) corn in it. Mm. Um, no, I, I realized that the familiar smell that I was getting is like a really good corn chowder almost, or like a cornbread pudding. Oh, that sounds good. Something like that. That's the pet. There's a pepper this. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. It has that, the corn is the sweetness of the corn, the creaminess of the corn. Everything's there. It's ten percent rye. It's a low rye. Yeah, and no, no wheat but at all. Y'all know it's this. barley and rye. Okay, so it's peppery in a good way. Yeah. So it almost that chowder with pepper on it. Right. Exactly. I, I'm just I'm happy for the. So it's it's Heaven Hill, which is the that's who owns Elijah Craig. So it's Heaven Hill, Heaven Hill pre-fire, and I've I've had, I haven't had anything pre-fire. They're, they're just still their whole place burned to the ground back in the '90s, and I hear stories that anything pre-fire um, Heaven Hill was amazing the gospel could have been what i'm gonna argue what buffalo trace is today because Mm -hmm. they are creating buffalo trace is creating gold i was happy to see and continuously see heaven hill produce magnificent bottles that are winning awards and then those awards are winning i think they deserve you know um and we have heaven hill on uh, a few examples of heaven hill on our table right now um, so it's a great company, a large company. They own a lot. They're not suffering. Don't, this is not a plea for their help. Heaven Hill is <laughs> donations doing, accepted. Yeah, Heaven Hill is doing our bottles. very well. Um, but I like to see them, you know, them creating something that I can actually, I believe in and stand behind. It's a magnificent whiskey. Absolutely. And, and when this guy came out, it was about 60 bucks. Um, you're, you're going to, it's going to be a little 90 now. I've yeah. 90, yeah. 90, a hundred bucks. Which um, is a little much for a bourbon. That, but, it's that know. cask chasers bump is what yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Threes of listeners. Threes right? of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a it's a good whiskey. It's a solid whiskey. I actually I put a decent amount of water in this one, um, mm. just because I mean, I'm a, I'm a I'm a couple in right now. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but I put a, a decent amount of water in this one, and it, it just mellows it out really nicely, and it opens it up. I'm getting I'm getting more of that barley, to be honest, um, that you get from honestly like a, like an American single malt or a Scotch, even mm. like th- as far as complexity goes after the water. After yeah, the water, yeah yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Without the water, I don't get that at all. I just get, I just get kicked in the head with bourbon. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll switch over to that and add some water in a second. But like you guys know me, and from our first episode and talking about some of my preferred flavors of whiskey, I really like the stuff that punches you in the face. It's memorable. And the thing that I'm enjoying the most, I think, out of this is is that follow up taste, you know, and and the finish that it leaves you with. It um, lingers. It, <laughs> Do you have to let it linger? How much is that going to cost us? Let's pretend. Hey, if it's under 30 seconds, I think it doesn't apply. I think so, right? I don't know. Um, But no, the the thing that sticks out to me about that finish is the fact that it's not in a bad way. It's like when you're chewing on a toothpick for too long, you know, and you just kind of get that that woody quality. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that. not to step on your toes, but I need that defined. There's this sour wood. Yeah. It's that's gotta have a flavor. That's gotta have a name. Do you know what I'm talking Just about? Just call it toothpicks. That <laughs> if almost, it were a if I'm it were a color kidding. crayon, we I'm need Creola's help in getting it. I'm like, not kidding. Like, I, and I mean this in a good way. You ever chewed on a pencil? Yes. It's got that kind of tart. But I know what you mean. Like, 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 like a real. Like, you get that from most bourbons. Yeah, but yeah. This is pronounced. It, it is, and it's like it's almost. 
almost I takes you back to elementary this. school almost like you literally remember the literally old school the sharpener yeah the that, that you have to stand and yeah and a ticonderoga very specific uh, miss yeah. shepherd's class this ticonderoga <laughs> finish oh my god i don't know what that means that's a brand name of pencils. Who cares? How do you know? Who knows? <laughs> Let's. You know what? Who knows the name? The br- how do you know that? I know everything. How do you know the brand name? That's I, know I know it's a yellow number two, and I only know that because I've been screamed at because I used to bring number ones, which are the fat ones. Are we about to get deep into some childhood trauma? Right I just now? need to know how people know. Is that what is it again? Say it again. Ticonderoga. Is that a Ticonderoga? No, it's not. It's a. It's a Crenshaw. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, they're good too, I guess. Who knows that stuff? Oh, I mean, well. when you spend years just staring at the pencil in your hand. Look, Nerds. okay, as an artist, I gotta say, well, I just sounded like a big, big jerk there. But uh, no. Just so everybody knows, Katie is an artist. Hey, Very did you guys pretentious. Catch that? Yeah. Very pretentious. She's mm. an artist. We have to do mantras before every episode. <laughs> I don't know what that means at all. I'm not, oh, good. I thought you knew everything. No, 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 no. I, no, I, need no, no. This. I know what a mantra <sighs> is. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm you saying I know what a mantra is. <laughs> I'm getting with our editing department. I'm going to say, when he says I don't know Here's something, the delete the thing after. Our that. editing department is you and Scott. Scott, mostly. Then you're doomed, Aaron. <laughs> I can't wait to make this sound like I was a smart one. I'm excited. Go, say more. So your Mandela so pencils. Tell me more about them. <laughs> They taste like Elijah Craig. That's what I'm telling it's you. Just a brand so of pencils. We anyway. were we were drinking. That's all staying in, and it's marvelous. And I hope they, out of all the sponsors, I hope they become our number one. Ticonderoga. <laughs> Ticonderoga. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by but Ticonderoga. <laughs> Am I saying it right? Negative. Nope. Not even. A I hope bit. they make start making. What if they start making whiskey? This tastes like pencils. That's that's odd. You would say that because this is brought to you by. Speaking of pencils, this is brought to you by Ticonderoga, number two specifically. This is what you call a train wreck. This is when Katie checks out. You hear how it sounded awesome until now, because Katie hasn't been here. We've had an actor come, a (laughs) stand-in. A stunt double. A stunt double. (laughs) Sounds like a terrible director. (laughs) What do you guys think? Let's back on track. So we had the Elijah Craig, the the corn, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Another um, Heaven Hill product, Larceny, and mm-hmm. we're not plugging Heaven Hill. I just I think they're great, a great, a great brand. We really um, do just happen to have a handful of Heaven Hill. We do products you know? in front of us right mm-hmm. now. Um, they make good stuff. So the Larceny is a weeded whiskey. It's a it's a cast strength. Um, also won a couple of awards. Well, not this batch, but you know, in the lineage. What do you guys think? How do you first off favorite? And I hate putting you in the between spot. the two. Yeah, personally, between the two, Larceny, I prefer. But I've I've always been like as a brand goes, I've always been like Larceny. You know, yeah. like L- Larceny and Maker's Mark are very much going after the Weeded. same. Yeah, they're very much going after the same. Um, you know, the same people. Um, Larceny tries to price their stuff a couple a couple bucks lighter than Maker's Mark does. I'm I've always been more Larceny than Maker's Mark personally. As we did bourbons go, I I like it, especially this time of year. Um, you know, Christmas cookies, chocolate chip cookies with the larceny. I love it. But no, I I, I love larceny. And I'm, I that might just be, you know, me personally, whatever. Elijah Craig, certainly a bigger name, I think, than larceny. But no, larceny is fantastic. Yeah, I actually, I haven't moved on from the Elijah Craig. I'm just enjoying this one, to be honest, because I feel like there's so much that you can get out of the barrel proof behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of like the fact that they are celebrating it so much in having that concentrated flavor. So... I'm, 
I'm pretty cool with Elijah Craig right now. That's two for one for Elijah Craig, one for Larceny. Need a tiebreaker. Bobby. I, I am actually going to go with Larceny too. Yeah. Uh, so first off, I'm out. She's out. She quits. <laughs> I like weeded whiskeys. And that is not, it's just something about, it I, ra- it's well-rounded for yeah, me. And nothing yeah. against Elijah Craig, first off. They're amazing. It's amazing. It tastes fantastic. But the larceny just works for me. Yeah, like to the point where I'm like, I think I'm going to go home and finish my bottle of the larceny barrel proof tonight. Well, like that's the entire a, bottle. That's right. It's a Monday. I've got, <laughs> I've got like a quarter inch of it left, if that, at home. And I think that's gone. I can't wait to call Aaron tomorrow. Look, buddy. Look, buddy. We've covered a lot of ground in all of this, and I've loved every minute of this conversation. I hope you guys have too, including following through Tiny Conderoga and Katy Perry and Nat riding. So we'll get into that later. I think the next biggest thing for us is actually being able to talk to somebody who knows these barrels, who knows the wood, who knows the process of putting this all together in a way that ties it together, what we've been talking about and experiencing from a taste perspective. So thanks for chiming in, guys. This has been a, this has been fun. 